You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in! It's June, people, here on the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew. He's a published author, Betts. Officially, now. In your app, on your desktop, published in the UDK. Uh, man, what a time to be alive. It is, uh, we're heading into the weekend, Kyle, you know, and we're one day into the UDK content. So how have you been doing? Like reading through all, all the stuff that we've done, all the work. I'm only halfway through and I'm exhausted. So I can't even imagine what it's like to be someone who has never seen this content, starting from scratch and then just going all the way through. It's going to take months to actually read everything that is in this year's UDK. I was kind of caught up in a existential moment earlier because someone was tweeting, you know, I love the UDK. You know, I, if I'm taking breaks at work to go to the bathroom. My toilet time's never better. But I was reading that tweet while I also was on the toilet. Ah, toilet so pros. I feel like that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing that I did not expect. This is one of the outcomes for our company. When we measure things this year, it was, we are creating friendships. We're creating this community. And it's all around the same place. Like usually we talk about right bets. Like where's where, where do people listen to this podcast? I mean, what are the common places? <laughs> well, we got to add the toilet <laughs> to it apparently, but it's walking That's your dog, one. walking your dog, mowing the lawn, maybe out for a ride or, or a run, you know, exercising. But those are the places, honestly. And it's, it's summertime and it's the summer of best ball. So on this show, we will get to release our best ball rankings, which are live in the ultimate draft kit. Plus, I'm looking at these bad boys right now and bad girls in the best ball uh, ranking section of the UDK Plus in the app. So while I'm on the show, I'm just going to be scrolling. And you might say, am I distracted? No, I'm actually studying up. I'm looking at my own rankings. We're going to be discussing them today, some players that were higher, lower in, give you some tips. And I think best ball rankings, we'll talk about the process because rankings give you a linear a uh, linear, sorry, uh, picture. <laughs> Very fancy. Of, you I did know, that with your pinky I'm, out. I'm, I know. I'm a nuanced man. They give you a picture, but not really the full idea. I mean, new, they're nuanced, right? Like when we talk about a player and they're ranked here, we're not just saying, oh, that's the only thing about this player. Here's where you can take them according to the other position, according to our top 300 list. Uh, really, you only have to draft, what, 218? Like it's, 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 we're giving you more than you need. And so we're going to walk through those rankings, talk about how we came up with them, some of those players. So it is a 
it is a fun time, but Ultimate Draft Kit Day, June 1st, is really fun for the company and, dare I say, the world. Definitely the world. But yes, it, it did feel good waking up on Thursday. Like, just, I had this sense of energy about me. You know, June is here. UDK is out. And that feels like the start of football season to me personally, because it's like, okay, like we get there, you know, April's here, the NFL draft, you know, free agency has come and gone. May gets here and we kind of hit a lull. And then it's like, oh, OTAs, the UDK, the summer of best ball is here. NFL season, Kyle, is just around the corner. Like August is not that far away. And that means training camps are coming very soon. So in the ultimate draft kit, Plus, and that's the one that we're trying to emphasize here, is where you get direct access to the Dynasty Pass, which has been around since February. So all of our Dynasty rankings, everything else that you need, all of our tips, risers, fallers, production profiles, that's there. The Ultimate Draft Kit itself for redraft leagues is robust. I mean, we we joke, but we wrote a short novel here. It's currently longer than the first Harry Potter book, and we're only adding to it more. So there's so many different tools and things you play around with. But For this podcast, the DFS pass section is what we are building up to towards kickoff. So our best ball rankings and best ball primer are live right now. Our optimizer will be live later this summer. Right now, we don't even have week one prices yet on DK or FanDuel. When we get those, we will start that work. And we also are publishing some of our season-long player props that you can get right now on some sites. And then as we go into the season, you will get our official plays that we like for you know weekly props so you can get all of that and if you want to use the promo code dfs pod you can save a little quiche okay so those listeners here you can save some money that leads into my quick question bets season-long prayer player props is something that you and i love and we have a pretty simple strategy we mostly take unders because it factors in a ton of different things so why don't you hit people with one season-long player prop that you like right now yeah, we released four official plays already. That is in the UDK Plus on the site. If you have access to that, you can grab those. Lines move pretty quick, though, so I'd recommend getting in Discord so we can let you know when we take one. We let you know right away so you can grab it on the correct book. But yeah, we lean unders. You know, there's a lot of change that happens in the NFL that you can't really predict what's going to happen in week three, let alone week eight, let alone week 16, right? It's, it's very hard to predict what's going to happen. So these books that hang these lines set them at a median outcome, which most likely is not going to hit. I mean, a lot of players fail. That's just the reality of the NFL and injuries happen. Coaching changes happen for, you know, wide receivers, uh, quarterback injuries happen. So there's a lot of things that go wrong. So we're looking to take unders in this market because these guys play one, two, three games and they're done for the year. Your bet cashes, whereas taking over a lot has to go right. So one that I love right now, early in the process, uh, and these are not, by the way, on a lot of major books quite yet. They do have them on like Caesars, DraftKings, FanDuel, for the quarterbacks, but I wanted to give a running back take here. This is on prize picks. So if you're playing on prize picks, you can use this line. Travis Etienne uh, under 1,125 and a half rushing yards is one that I love, mostly because our projections show a very strong under here in the UDK plus uh, from Andy, Mike, and Jason. The average projection is just under 1,000 yards. So we're getting a pretty good um, you know, movement here against the line saying, look, this, this under is likely to hit. This team drafted Tanks Bigby. He's lurking. There's been lots of chatter already in OTAs. Like we didn't plan to give ETN these, you know, these huge rushing totals last year. They could definitely back his workload off. This team also added, if you just follow their transactions, they also added Calvin Ridley last year. Does that tell us they want to pass more with Trevor Lawrence here in year two with Doug Peterson? I think so. So you get the outs from injury perspective. You get the outs from uh, the Tank Bigsby thing. 
under is the right play to me on price picks here. Yeah, if you don't play these markets, if you've never done it before, you're not saying can Travis Etienne hit this mark? Like, yes, like if he if everything goes right, if you know he's gets seventy percent of the work, like yeah, he can hit you know fifteen hundred, you know not fifteen hundred, sorry, one thousand one hundred fifty yards. Like he can hit around that mark. But what we're saying is the likelihood of him missing a game or two, of them throwing the ball more, you're just taking what's there and saying, hey, a lot of things have to go right. Last year, I took an under on Keenan Allen. It pained me, but you had to say everything went right. When Keenan Allen went down, I was pained, but I also protected myself by betting his under. The old happiness Uh, hedge. (laughs) That's what you got to do there. Uh, I will give a little two-pack. So on prize picks or on underdog, if you play on those kind of sites, you you have to pair two together. And on prize picks right now, DK Metcalf's line is right at 1,000 yards. Our average baller's projection in the Ultimate Draft Kit is 1,119 yards. So you get a little bit of a buffer for a player that's hit 1,000 yards, kind of like that's what he does. We gave a case on the main show the other day, and I tweeted out a long thread because apparently I like tweeting out threads, right? Dude, you're the thread guy on Twitter. You're the guy everyone loves to uh, to hate on his social media strategies because you just get all the clicks, all the views. I mean, Kyle's blowing up, people. Guys, that... Okay. Let's uh, bets loves digging into that point <laughs> because he knows it's not me, but yes. So I like DK Metcalf's over and one that surprised me, Devonte Adams, 1,250 yards and a half. I like the under because there's a lot that has to go right with the Raiders. One, who is the quarterback? Is it Jimmy G? Is it Brian Hoyer? Is it Aiden O'Connell? Is it Trey Lance? Who knows who the quarterback is? So you're saying that not only does it have to have great quarterback play, but you also need a player who's aging to have everything go right. The average baller's projection is actually right over this line, 1,290. So that, at first, you might say, oh, that's not a good line. Jason's line is way different than Andy's. So Jason's line is 1,137 receiving yards. I like that a lot because you're building in the case that this player doesn't have the same efficiency, he doesn't have the same quarterback. There's a lot of things that have to go right. So Devontae Adams, less then 1,250 and a half receiving yards, DK Metcalf, over 1,000 receiving yards. What do you think about those two? Yeah, I definitely agree, you know, agree with just kind of thinking about the Raiders in general. I Just to speak to Jimmy G, like I do think he will be healthy for week one, and I do think he plays, you know, barring anything that happens in season, the full allotment of games. But this is a player who now will not have OTAs with his pass catchers, He's likely to miss some of training camp recovering from his Liz Frank surgery. So you're missing valuable offseason time to just gel with your guys, with your offensive line, with the coaching staff, you know, all of the things that have to happen for this offense to work. So it feels scary to take an under on someone like Devonta Adams, who's just incredible. But I do think it is the right play, at least when you're looking at it from a betting perspective. Doesn't mean Devonta Adams won't be in our DFS lineups or be a good play at, at points throughout the year. But thinking about just what is most likely to ha- happen from a betting perspective, I think that's the play. And then DK Metcalf, you know, I think this, and we'll talk about this like with, with best ball stuff too. I can't get behind Jackson Smith and Jigba's ADP. I don't understand it to me. Lockett and DK Metcalf are still going to be the one and the two. And it's kind of wild to see where his ADP is. So I, I am in on Metcalf. I like it. Um, I do think we're going to talk about Gino later in the show today. Spoiler. But this, you know, little three pack, if you want to put it together as a parlay is, is kind of a fun one. You know, you place it now and you wait months and months and months to see what happens for your bet. So I like it. 
I'm looking at the app right now, and I have DK Metcalf ranked as my 23rd overall player. So inside my the first two rounds, which is good five take. spots. Yeah, no, I I think so. I have him at wide receiver. I think 11 or 12, uh, which is a little bit above market. So uh, you can get all of those, like we mentioned, in the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus, and and I need to give a tease because I like a tease on the podcast. You do. People, people love it. People are thirsty for a tease. This year, we will be adding to the DFS Pass props not only for underdog but prize picks and people have asked for them and this is something that you can compare a bunch of different markets right you we we usually give DraftKings or we give FanDuel or Caesars as like those are huge books but a lot of people are in areas where they can't do those and you get to play prize picks or underdog so we will be giving those out as well I'll be giving an article this year a little section to compare every single week so get all of that in the ultimate draft kit plus Best Ball Bonanza. So this show is all about unveiling our best ball rankings. We can't give them all to you, but they're there in the app, as well as our best ball primer. I wanted us to talk about the process of making best ball rankings, but I'm going to throw you a curveball here, Bets, because I just, if there's a place to kind of emotionally vent, it's it's on this podcast, and I, I can't help myself. I my Twitter was blown up. And so I have to, I have to talk about Terrace Marshall Jr. <laughs> my mind's telling me no, but my body my body's telling me yes. Oh, talk oh, to no. me. What do I oh, do? No. What do I do? <laughs> it's so great. If you missed it, there was a headline. Uh, I think it broke on Wednesday that Terrace Marshall was showing out in OTAs, and he's, I believe the, the quote was, on the cusp yes. of a breakout yes. this year. And, and of course, everyone just starts tagging Kyle because, of course, that's that's his guy. Um, you know, I hope it happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd like to bet against that. <laughs> so I had already started, like, creating the emotional space in my life to move on from this man. And I was writing his blurb the other day of just saying, like, hey, it's okay. It's also in Dynasty, I said, like, hey, if you just want to go down with the ship, like Titanic style, like the, the orchestra and just honorably, I'm there with you. I get it. <laughs> but this is not healthy, people. I love Terrace Marshall, and I, I he'll always have a special place in my heart. But year three, what he did in year one, it's rough. I, want, I think people want me to stand up for him and just give all the cases. When there's a rookie quarterback, when there's a different regime, when they said, hey, let's bring in Adam Thielen and DJ Chark and draft somebody in the second round, it's not promising. So I'm not telling you not to believe, but what I am trying to discreetly say <laughs> is the meetings are still happening in, in the secret, <laughs> in the darkness and in the shadows we will rise. Kyle, you're a sick individual. Let me just tell you that right now. <laughs> just, just for saying that, I'm bumping him up a couple spots in my best ball rankings. From 298 uh, it, to, two, to 290. <laughs> He is one of those players that shows up at the very end that you could go, hey, you know, I mean, there's so many wide receivers at the end. Like, who do I take for my 18th uh, round pick? But I think there's guys that are guaranteed more playing time that you can take a shot with. Uh, but, hey, it's fun. It's fun when your exposures show Terrace Marshall and then at the end of the year you go, did he help my team? Hey, the dude's only, he's just turned 23. He's, he's in his prime right now, Kyle. <laughs> this is when it happens, <laughs> he, the year three or four he breakout. He should be. You should be. So changing gears, let's talk about our process for making best ball rankings and how they're different 
because you can't approach a list that we have that's the top 300. It's also organized by position and organized by ADP. So you can kind of sort. You can look at my rankings if you like them. If you can look at bets and say, hey, this is a square you know, person. He's just putting the same guys in the same hole and it's boring. But you could also use our consensus, which is probably, I would say, better to do, right? Use our consensus. I would think so. Yeah, and compared to ADP. ADP, though, is everything in best ball. In redraft, you're going to get a lot of groupthink, and you get a lot of people that are kind of placing players in certain spots. But ADP is the list that everybody's drafting from if they're playing on underdog or DraftKings. It's like, we don't want to stray too far from it and to give so many hot takes that you end up having no exposure. Like, we, we talk a lot about having a portfolio approach. So, can you kind of talk to people about why straying too far from ADP is is not super helpful? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of data done by uh, of work done by us, other people in the best ball industry, showing that you know ADP, especially as the summer goes on, gets pretty efficient. I think right now we can spot some holes in it, but by you get to July, August, it's pretty efficient. And so, if you do have takes that are above or below market, that's totally fine. But the issue is there's a lot of data showing advance rates and being able to you know uh, win your league in these these formats is tied directly to how you perform against ADP, meaning if you get guys that fall past ADP, it's very good for advance rates. If you get guys way too early, like in the fourth round when they have an ADP of seventh round, it's not good for your advance rate. So even though I might value a player two rounds ahead of ADP, doesn't mean I necessarily would take them there at that spot. Well, I take them six or seven spots ahead of ADP, sure. But we don't want to sacrifice you know, and go against the market so much that it's going to hurt our advance rate, even if you do have a very strong player take in that aspect. So ADP is the name of the game when it comes to best ball. There's a lot of uh, research and data showing it's very important for using it as your process when you develop best ball rankings. We also have to think that this is over a time frame. So whether people started drafting before the NFL draft, we kind of started in May, our rankings are released in June. And I would say the majority of people, that's what they do over the summer, right? They they get their Mai Tai, they get their mojito, and they start best ball drafting, which I don't mind it. And you think about over the course of the summer, June, July, August, and then into the season for September, the ADPs will change. So we talk a lot about if you're drafting a player four rounds ahead of ADP, it might change in a good way. It could change in a terrible way where hey, you were drafting a guy in the fourth round. He's like, everybody else is getting him in the eighth round now. And you're actually in a tournament, and specifically in a tournament, you're actually going against what everyone else is doing in a, in a bad way. So keep that in mind over the course of the summer where you got players. It's fun to chart too. If you want to look at a at a team and maybe date it and just say, hey, I did this. That's what I do a lot when I change the name of my teams. I usually give them a really fun name. Uh, and then I usually add the date so I can look and say, Hey, I was drafting this team in mid-May and I'm comparing it to a team that I drafted in July and go, wow, I, I could get this player three rounds before. So keep that in mind. It's also different because quarterbacks and wide receivers are going to be pushed up the board so much more. We talked about the, the trends. Bets wrote a great article about how best ball is changing and how it changed in 2023. When we're starting three wide receivers in a flex, it's guaranteed that these players will rise up. Yeah, for sure. Especially on underdog right now, it's it's crazy how much these wide receivers are pushed up in ADP. And I kind of talked about this in the article. Like, There's a lot of data that shows you need wide receivers and you need good wide receivers to actually perform well in best ball. So it's almost like 
even though I think it's wrong, like I feel like we kind of need to follow the market a little bit and not go crazy. Like I'm not saying you have to draft six wide receivers with your first six picks, but I see teams that, you know, they'll take some running back values, they'll take a quarterback, and then all of a sudden they're leaving round seven and round eight with like two wide receivers. And you're like, sure, I guess I'll take Corlin Sutton as my wide receiver three. Like, And that just feels terrible, right? So I, I think you need to follow the market, but at the same time, be mindful of how you're constructing your roster. Yeah, you were you and I are in a draft, and if you want to pull that one up, we'll kind of give people a little lay of the land of where we're at in the chow chow. Oh, the winning a, roster that we have? Yeah, I'll pull it up. Yeah, pull up pull up the chow chow. Uh we were talking about how many wide receivers are being pushed up the board. I think it was you said forty wide receivers were going in the first, what, eight rounds? Yeah. Something like that. It's it's like you either have to make a decision to say, I'm going to zig while everyone else is going a certain way. And in a tournament, I like that. I like that approach because you're playing it differently. But you also, at some point, realize that I have to start three of these. I want them in the flex. You have to have at least six, according to roster construction. Really, you know, we like seven, eight, nine. So it's really hard to just make a stance and say, I'm going to go high T and get a bunch of running backs early. And then you start to get to the double-digit rounds. You're like, I have no confidence that I have the wide receivers I need. So let people know where we're at with our roster. Yeah, so we are through uh, round seven. We got Herbert as our quarterback. We've got Steph Diggs, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Mike Williams as our three wide receivers. We actually already have three running backs, which I don't love, but we took Brees Hall. J.K. Dobbins was a value pick 10 spots after ADP, and we also just snagged Alexander Madison. We'll see if that was a good pick or not <laughs> once we get the Dalvin, pick, Dalvin Cook news. But, um, but we, we kind of followed the room a little bit, but then at the same time, we said, you look, in these middle rounds, there's just a bunch of dudes at wide receiver. Like you, any of these guys, I'd feel fine with. Like Michael Thomas, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Zay Flowers, Cortland Sutton. There's no difference makers to me in that range. And so we saw Alexander Madison sitting there at a little bit of an uh, ADP value. And we said, look, let's play the ADP game. Let's hope that one of these wide receivers come back to us and we'll be all right. But, um, but as it seems right now, I like our team and I, I like the fact that we're mixing some stacks and kind of letting the board follow us, not just trying to force a certain build. If you look at our best ball rankings, once you get past wide receiver 45-50, it gets rough. It gets really rough to build out a wide receiver room that you feel confident in when you get to the, I don't know, Nico Collins, KJ Osborne, Romeo Dobbs. Uh, I mean, Adam Thielen. Alec Pierce. It's, it just, it's players that you like if they're just bolstering your roster at wide receiver six, but you're having to take them a lot of times if you waited as your wide receiver four. And you're not going to get the boom weeks that maybe you want. So we'll talk more as we go through the summer about different roster constructions and some wide receivers that we like. We'll even do an episode on league winners. Next week is an episode fully on stacking. Give some data behind it. Our favorite high-end stacks, value stacks. And then let's go off the board and just talk about some wild ones. So I'm excited to talk best ball progressively over the summer because that's what it is. It's not just like one time, that's it. You're drafting and you're drafting again and you're drafting again. So. Before we talk about our player ranks, let's give a couple of quick do's and don'ts because it scares me when we give out ranks for any format. And I feel so bad for Papa Josh. He's our community manager. And on days like today, he walks in and has 100 emails in the morning from support people. And some of them are like really good, like, hey, there's a bug. Can you fix this in my app? To some of them are like, how do, what is Dynasty? Like just, just, just <laughs> explain it's that fine. in three sentences, please. 
<laughs> it's it's all over the board of hey, I thought this thing was going to draft for me. It's like no, it's it's not. It never said that. <laughs> um, it's really funny when people will buy the ultimate draft kit. They just buy it, and then they come back later and they say, oh, I thought this was going to help me for uh, my contract. You know, super kicker. Uh, 32 team league and why doesn't it have this it's like oh, you could have asked that question before so we love every type of league but there's a lot of funny questions out there let's talk about some do's and don'ts of how to use these ranks and my first tip to tell people is you can actually on the on our website make your own like you can actually take bets and eyes ranks and there's a function to copy them so you just put them in a spreadsheet or to download as a csv you could compare them. You can color code them. You can say, hey, Kyle, that's way too hot there. You can conditionally format. You can do any of that stuff on your own if you can take the rankings. And I just encourage people, like, that's a fun process. Like, it's a fun process to compare. Use us and then use yourself and then you get even better consensus if you want. So that's my first tip with the ranks. You can make them all your own. Yeah, I like that call as well because the thing about best ball too is that linear rankings, like you said, aren't really the best because it depends on a lot of things like you know have you already taken a quarterback how many wide receivers do you have um are you stacking a certain team like you know that there's two guys going back to back that you know obviously play for different teams but i have one guy's quarterback like even though i have the other guy ranked higher i'm probably taking the stacking partner right so you just want to be able to kind of use them as a rough outline and for me i don't use any rankings strictly as a list like one to 200 i use it more to compare against adp like you know, I know I'm higher on player X. This is their ADP. So when they get in that range, like I'm looking for that player. So that's how I use it. And I would definitely recommend people uh, following a similar pattern, not just saying, look, they have four running backs listed higher than these wide receivers. I already have four, but I have to take them because they're higher on the list. And so now I have five running backs in the right. first six rounds. That would be a terrible strategy. So that's kind of my recommendation on how to use the ranks. Yeah. And ADP, remember, is a consensus. So when you get underdog ADP, this is what the the group's thinking a lot of time it's great and then there's some parts that just were plain wrong last year the group said drew lock is the starting quarterback of the seattle seahawks and geno smith showed up on like 10 percent of best ball mania rosters so keep that in mind like there's going to be things that all of us get wrong and that's okay my my one of my don'ts though is rankings in a top 200 300 list don't really take into account roster construction so it's like what Betts was mentioning you already have four running backs, but our rankings say this. Don't just take them in that regard. Same thing with quarterbacks. Like, oh, I already, you know, you have Josh Allen and somebody's sitting there and you're like, oh, I, well, I have to take a quarterback because they're sitting there. Like, you don't have to do that based on your build. So roster construction is kind of a, a key component that you can use. We have a section in the best ball primer where we lay out all of our favorite articles that we think people need. So in the best ball primer, before you go into every single team, you look at all their ADPs. You can go through those articles if you need a refresher on roster construction, what's optimal, all of those things. Let's take a quick break and we'll come right back. Spring is here and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan, happily yes. 
A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Bets and I have prepared for you and your family. If you're sitting down and you're listening to this by the fireside at a Kyle, it's, I don't know where it's, it's cold, June. cold right now. <laughs> There's somewhere on the planet that People they are just anywhere besides that. Like maybe next to a pool. <laughs> no, I want nope, someone to mess- be a fire. <laughs> Please message me on Twitter at Kyle underscore Borg. If you are in a place that is just freezing right now, I'm in the exact opposite. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a hundred degrees today, which is actually pretty mild here in Phoenix. These rankings that we're going to give are not so much super hot takes, but to give you some nuanced decisions as you're drafting that, hey, here's where we're different than the ADP, and here's why we're different, right? We're not just trying to be hot takey. We're trying to give you some nuance. So I'm going to start us off by talking about Geno Smith because I still don't understand how a quarterback who finishes a quarterback five last year was not even seen up as a top 12 guy. Like that doesn't make sense to me at all. Because top five, you may say, oh, that's super fluky, but he led the league in completion rate, in deep touchdown. Almost 50% of his touchdowns were 20-plus yards. So we get the big plays, we love the offense, and the stacking options with Geno Smith are pretty high up there. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Same thing with Walker, and Charbonnet is a borderline uh, top 100 pick. But Geno Smith is going at 117th overall. Quarterback 15 or 16, he's right around there with Aaron Rodgers. It's kind of confusing. I have him inside my top 100 players, a good rounder and a half ahead of ADP. So Geno Smith, I think, fits so many different roster builds. Like, I don't mind doing a three-quarterback build where he is my quarterback one if you just punted the position and you say, I'm going to go Geno Smith, Derek Carr, and another high upside option. But he's also kind of perfect as a quarterback two if you took one of those Seattle players, you can come back later. So I just, I love Geno Smith this year. Yeah, this is always one that, to me, I don't understand kind of how this ADP is developed when you think about where his pass catchers are going, and they're all going in the first, you know, 70 or so picks. Jackson Smith and Jigba is, is changing daily, it feels like. But they're all in that top 70 range, and then Geno's just kind of left for dead, you know, much, much later. And, and I understand the fact that he's probably not going to finish as the quarterback three or the quarterback four. And honestly, he might not finish as the quarterback five again because he doesn't run. But (laughs) you're not drafting him to do that, like you said, at his ADP. So I do like him as a QB two. And, you know, when you have his pass catchers, like if you do take a Seattle wide receiver or two of those guys, there's a higher likelihood that someone else in your league, especially in these tournaments where we all know stacking is so important, there's a good chance Geno might fall past his ADP, which I've seen quite a bit, actually. So if you do take his his pass catchers, you can definitely get him as a backdoor stack, and I've taken a bunch of that already. We talked about the Seattle Seahawks in the division and kind of their uh, outlook on the season with our win totals episode. 
definitely like Seattle this year. And I agree, Gino is a great QB2. I so the hardest part I will say about Gino, just to give it a little caveat, so is you might have team like three different teams that are looking to stack him. Like you might be the person that took DK Metcalf. You might not have Lockett on your team and somebody else might have JSN. And all three of those teams are looking later like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to build in Geno late. So just realize you are competing because uh, those players might be spaced out. I was shocked. So in a best ball mania team that has Lamar, I mean, (laughs) that team's going to roll that I have. It's just awesome. He was sitting there at pick 131. So like a good, you know, round and a half after his ADP. And I didn't have any Seattle players on my team. But I started asking myself the question, like, I could wait to find another stack, right? Like, I could I could wait to find a stack with uh, Kenny Pickett. I had Fryer Muth on that team. Or I could get a player that I think is really good and find a later stacking option of Noah Fant or somebody else. Because I think as a QB2, I don't need Geno Smith to do the exact same thing. And I'll correlate still with that team, which, you know, Seattle plays Pittsburgh in week 17. So it was one of those things where I loved the value and I was shocked that no one else took him. And so I comfortably said, Hey, almost two rounds after ADP as my QB two, I love it. So Geno Smith's probably one of the players I will have very high in my exposures this year. Yep. Makes sense. I'll talk about a quarterback that I have a little bit lower in my ranks compared to ADP. And I'm scared to even say this, but it is Trevor Lawrence. And I want to caution people real quick about this, not being a player take, because I see the path for Trevor Lawrence. I absolutely do. Last year, after the week eight bye, he was second in completion percentage. He was second in PFF grade, 10th in yards per attempt, third in QBR. He was awesome, you know, led them on the the playoff run. And now they add Calvin Ridley. They take an offensive lineman in round one. It all makes sense entering year two with Doug Peterson in that system. But I'm more, and you'll see this throughout my rankings, I think the quarterbacks are overvalued this year in the market, especially the guys that can't run the ball, or not can't, but don't run the ball at an elite level. And Trevor Lawrence, you know, he can definitely add a couple hundred yards on the ground and a couple scores, don't get me wrong, but he's never going to be Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or or those sort of guys. And we're seeing a theme this year, especially on underdog, these quarterbacks are just flying up the board. I don't think you need to take him there. And and I almost kind of think taking him where he's going is a scary proposition because you're passing on a lot of really good wide receivers and some pretty good running backs that kind of fall into this new quote unquote dead zone in that range. And he has to do a lot to pay this off. Like this sort of quarterback profile, mostly a pocket passer kind of getting ready for a breakout. We used to be able to get these guys in round eight, nine, 10, but now there's such a premium on these guys that I almost just kind of feel like they're, they're too overvalued. And I will take Trevor Lawrence. Don't get me wrong. It's just that I think he's more of a guy that I'm prioritizing. If I have Jaguars, obviously, on my roster, like if I took a Christian Kirk or I took Calvin Ridley, like, yeah, sure, I'll be more in line with ADP than on Trevor Lawrence. But the the tricky thing is there are just not that many backdoor stacks available. If you do take him, Zay Jones is back there. You know, Evan Ingram kind of goes like right around pick 100 or so, pick 90, somewhere in there. So sometimes you can get him, but if you don't and you do snag him, then you're kind of stuck with like, well, <laughs> now, now who do I stack him with, right? So I like Trevor Lawrence. I just think in general, the quarterbacks are overvalued. And just to put the n- numbers to it, from 2020 to 2023, here are the number of quarterbacks that went in the first five rounds. In 2020, it was two quarterbacks. 2021, it was four. 2022, it was five. This year, there's eight quarterbacks going in the first five rounds. That is crazy to me. And 
I get it for Trevor Lawrence. I just think the quarterbacks are way too overvalued. You are talking dirty to me right now, Betts, because this is this is you looking at what the field's doing and going, hey, you know what? Kind of want to go a little contrarian here. Are you I mean, what what are you doing here? I'm I'm pulling a, a Borg here. Whatever everyone thinks is cool, I'm gonna do the opposite. That's definitely I, I like it. Now the question is, do then I become cool doing that, or do, am I just in a corner all by myself at the party in middle school? And no one will play with me and hang out. Um, yeah, I think if uh, if Lawrence comes out and has a year that I think he is capable of, then this could look really silly <laughs> at the end of the year. I, I, what you're saying though, because you obviously you like the passing attack, you're 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 mentioning like I'm not off these players. Yeah, I'm, we took the over by the way on his passing yard, so I'm I'm in on Trevor Lawrence. It's just the market is a little a little hot. I I just I I love what we get to do and I love mentioning it to people that you can have so many nuanced takes about the same players, right? You can be over his passing prop. You can not love his ADP. You can be fine with him in redraft, love him in dynasty. We talked about him, you know, as a top seven quarterback on the dynasty show. We'll probably be talking about him week one. It's against Indianapolis. It's fantasy football gives you the chance to like, love, hate all the same player. That's okay. You don't just have to go one way or the other. So I'm with you. He's a little bit lower in my rankings. I would be happy with him as a quarterback one, but he's just not falling, right? Like he's not falling in a place where, you know, outside pick 70 that I would feel more comfortable with. So I'm going to talk about a player that we've been hot and heavy for for a couple years, and it apparently didn't work out for us last year. Aaron Jones, his ADP is 53rd overall. I have him ranked inside my top 40. Is that hot? That is hot. I think the general consensus right now, thought process on Aaron Jones is, you know, Aaron Rodgers is gone. He really underperformed last year. Now the the market is not valuing the Packers the way they were. Last year, they had like an 11.5 win total or something like that. Now they're down at like 7.5 last time I looked. So the market is telling us the Packers are not going to be as good. You're still in on Aaron Jones, though. Well, yeah, that the, that that math works out really well for me. <laughs> based <laughs> Makes on sense. what you said. It didn't feel like it last year, but he finished as an RB1. And for the fourth year in a row, like Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, the only ones to do that. And he only had two rushing touchdowns. That's the fewest by a top 10 running back in fantasy since your boy Darren Sproles way back in 2011. So touchdown-wise, Aaron Jones has always been an efficient player. But the last two years, he's averaged a touchdown every 64 carries. And before that, it was 22.3, 15, 16, 20. Like, he's been always an efficient player. And last year, he didn't get it done. But what is encouraging to me is he had 59 receptions, five receiving touchdowns, and he was targeted on almost 23% of his routes, the highest of his career. I don't think that's going away. And so I look at players that, when it comes to touchdowns, they can bounce back. And I think we would say that two two rushing touchdowns is not going to happen again for Aaron Jones. And you have this built-in receiving production that we've said before, like he might be the best actual pure receiver on the team. Christian Watson obviously is different, different skill set. But Aaron Jones can easily hit 60 receptions this year, get back to double-digit touchdowns. And I just like him a lot. Like I'm totally fine with Aaron Jones. If you punt the position, you can get him in the fourth, sometimes fifth round. And you can. I'm fine with him if he's your RB1 and you have a build where you get six running backs, like I'm fine with him knowing the pass catching work, and I love him as an RB2 where you can get him. So he's higher in my ranks. You don't have to draft him there, pro Aaron Jones. Yeah, it's an interesting case because like I kind of see the downside. Right? Like He's kind of hitting that, that age that we're usually pretty worried about. 
you lose Aaron Rodgers, you know, there's you can talk yourself into a situation where you're like, you know what, I'm out. I'm out on Aaron Jones. At the same time, like you said, the numbers say we probably should leave the door open that maybe he still is, is good, is efficient, and he gets the work. And I think, you know, the thing that we can usually hang our hat on with Aaron Jones is the receiving work. Now, I'm not sure Jordan Love's going to target him the same way that Aaron Rodgers did, but the point remains, the wide receiver depth chart is still pretty thin. Like, Christian Watson enters year two, I, th- I think a solid target for like a second year breakout. Romeo Dobbs was just kind of a guy last year. I think he's fine. And I like Jaden Reed, but he's still a rookie, right? So like there is paths to Aaron Jones getting it done through the air where he doesn't have to be this, you know, 250 touch on the ground grinder for you. Like he can still get there through the air. So I, I'll leave the door open. I've actually taken a more for that reason on DraftKings because I see how he gets there this year is more of the receiving, but I, I see your point. One player that I think is a better pick on underdog than DraftKings because touchdowns matter so much more is Dave Montgomery. And I have not really been Dave Montgomery guy in his career, but he goes from Chicago. He goes to Detroit. I've got him ranked 75th overall. His ADP is 87th. So I'm well ahead of ADP on this guy. He's still entering his age 26 season. We're good there on the age cliff. He's got four consecutive seasons of a thousand scrimmage yards and six plus touchdowns. That that's flex level value, RB2 level value. And now you're getting him much, much later. And I understand the Jameer Gibbs thing. I understand it wasn't great when they took him 12th overall. But when you think about how these guys win, you know, Jameer Gibbs, 199 pounds, excellent pass catcher. We love that. But is he going to get the goal line work? I'm not sure. And I'm, I'm almost sure that I want to bet on it being David Montgomery, given his size profile and given how they used Jamal Williams last season, specifically pointing to our red zone report in the UDK, which is an awesome, awesome resource. You can look at quarterbacks, receivers, tight ends, running backs, how they perform inside you know, the red zone, the 10 zone, and the 5 zone. Specifically for running backs, that 5 zone number, that 10 zone number, is so important for when you think about upside, when you think about half PPR scoring, touchdowns matter so much. Jamal Williams led the NFL in 10 zone and 5 zone carries, and he had 95% of the Lions' 5 zone carries last year. So this role is wide open. If Dave Montgomery gets it, he doesn't have to be that good. He can just fall in the end zone eight times, nine times, right. and probably pay off this ADP. So I, I'll i have him in my probably top five running back exposures this year. And the nice thing about it is he's also the type of archetype that I like to bet on if I'm taking him in zero RB builds as an RB2 later, something like that. Because let's say Jameer Gibbs gets hurt in week four. Dave Montgomery, he would be a top 12 play every week in redraft league. So you have that contingent upside as well. That's why I love targeting guys like this in these side of backfields. Get the touchdown equity, has a, a role potentially to be a three down back if something happens to Jameer Gibbs. Dude, you just convinced me. I need to move him up. I have him right at ADP, so it's not like I'm I'm down on him. But when I look at the other running backs in that range, I'm I'm very not on Damian Pierce, but you know, since he's been in the league. Uh Cam Akers is tough, Isaiah Pacheco. James Conner, Rashad White, like those are the players that are going in that section. So I totally agree with you. Running back dead zone to me. Yeah, it, it's really tough. And so you're betting on an offense that does love running the ball. You mentioned that 46 carries inside the 10. That's the most ever, right? Since 1994. So obviously 46 is not going to repeat, but man, 25 carries or so inside the 10 zone, you're looking at seven, eight touchdowns. I agree with you. So I like that take a lot. I got I to gotta throw out Calvin Ridley for the wide receivers. And I mentioned this. I feel like we did a show in April where I was a little bit down. 
And I just think, I just, I'm just throwing it out there. I think it's a lot to ask a 28 going on 29 year old who's still in their rookie contract to perform. Does that mean? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not. And truthfully, day by day, I'm in on Calvin Ridley, and then the next day I'm out on him. I, I don't know what to think. I see the path, and I see the case for both sides of the argument here. Yeah, I. So I'm. His ADP is 33rd overall. He's a wide receiver, 16 on an underdog. I have him ranked a little bit lower, just 10 spots lower at 43rd overall. That that was a really good joke by me, just to say that he's 29. He'll be 29 and still finishing his rookie contract, which that's like Hayden Hurst level of just dudes old, but you don't realize it. But obviously Ridley's had a special circumstance. But it's more of like I don't like this tier of wide receiver that I get in this spot. So let me let me read you off some names. I love DK Metcalf, a wide receiver 15. But after him, Calvin Ridley, Debo Samuel, Amari Cooper, who knows with DeAndre Hopkins, and Christian Watson. I find myself mostly passing on this tier because I love the running backs in round three, in round four. Like I, I love Najee, I love Jameer Gibbs. So I don't know. That's my take is that I'm a little bit lower because I'm boosting other players for people that are drafting to get there. Yeah. And like I said, I can see the path for both sides. Like, you know, last time you played a full season, it was a long time ago. It was 2020. A lot happened that year, but he was the wide receiver four in fantasy. He was incredible. He was efficient. He was very good. And then, you know, the next year he had the couple games played and then he missed. And then of course he misses an entire season. So we don't even know what he is. And now he's changing teams. So I am a little lower on Calvin Ridley in my ranks as well, but I have exposure to him for, you know, the event that he does hit and the event that he is still the same dude and he's very good. So I see the argument. I see the the path there, but I agree with you just as a general, you know, overview, like this range to me, it just, it kind of feels dirty. Like <laughs> these guys that go here, it almost feels like they're being pushed up because they're like, well, I don't want to be stuck, you know, with these guys going as like wider wide receiver 36 is my my wide receiver too. Like that feels terrifying. So I agree. I don't love the range and I'm usually targeting a running back here. The wide receiver that you're going to bring up, I can't tell if you are planning on checking him into the old folks home <laughs> or are you just going to put him in a body bag and he's just at the bottom of the ocean? Yeah, there are not many guys throughout the course of the summer that I will just have zero of. I'm not being sarcastic or trying to exaggerate. I will have literally zero shares of Adam Thielen in 2023. And there's a lot of writing on the wall, man. I mean, he's turning 33 years old. He's changing teams and playing with a rookie quarterback. And there's a lot of data that shows rookie quarterbacks just don't support the fantasy difference makers that we need, especially for upside, you know, in, in fantasy. So I'm out on Adam Thielen. The efficiency trends have been horrific over the last three years. Targets per outrun, 21%, 19%, 15%. declining rapidly. His yards per outrun went from 1.86 to 1.63 to last year, 1.08. And that was with defenses frequently double-teaming Justin Jefferson. So I'm worried about Adam Thielen. Um, I'm well below about uh, 20 spots behind ADP on him. People take him way before I'm willing to. And, you know, if he falls to like round 16, 17, sure. But that never happens. And so... I'll have zero Adam Thielen in 2023. Do you think people look at a player like Thielen? Obviously, they're not saying he has massive upside. They're not saying he's the player he was four or five years ago. But, okay, I, I need a wide receiver six or seven. And he could be the wide receiver one for that team. Is that kind of like the thinking? I think it is. And I think the other issue is that uh, the Jaguars are 
decently valued in the market. We talked about Calvin Ridley, you know, Christian Kirk goes high, Trevor Lawrence goes high, and that's the week 17 correlation that everyone looks at. They're like, oh, well, Jonathan Mingo's gone, or I didn't get Miles Sanders. Like, yeah, I'll take Adam Thielen and hope for the best. I, I'd be surprised if he's a difference maker that you need. Especially at the end of the year. Like the, right. the tank, you saw last year, he was on the cardio club. He was running out there. He was getting in his steps, but dude was gassed. So yeah, it is different when you're betting. If you're betting on something, you're betting on the younger players like Terrace Marshall to, uh, to in an 18th round. I don't know. Stop. I'm just, I, I, dude, dude, I really don't have very many Panthers. When I was writing their blurbs for best ball primer, I'm just like, sorry. Like you, I know you're expecting me to say Terrace Marshall, but I like, I, there's no, I'm not drafting Hayden Hurst. I'm not drafting Bryce Young. I get Miles Sanders, but I'm not as not as high. Like he's on a couple of teams. And then I just haven't taken a stab at anyone else. So yeah, who's going to be your highest exposure Panther? I'd have to look, but it's probably going to be Miles Sanders. And it's not because I have this hot taker. I'm not, I'm not bullish on him by any means, but like follow the money and understand that he's going to get touches. So I think that's fine. But actually now that I'm talking out loud and thinking about it, it might be Chuba Hubbard. Because he's been a guy that I've been targeting as that, like a zero RB guy or like your RB5 super late in drafts. His ADP will start to climb and it already kind of has. But in May, I was taking a lot of Chuba Hubbard just because he's the definite RB2 or I think so at this point. And, you know, the gap between those guys of those player level talent, I'm not sure is, is that big personally. Yeah, no, Chuba's my highest exposure, which still isn't a ton, but he's he's late and he's moved up, right? Like he was like 18th round. I think right now he's like 16th, 17th. Let's go to tight end. I got to bring up the Muth because he's so loose. And <laughs> did you know that like the Muth, he had 98 targets last year. It was the same as Evan Ingram. And I feel like we forget what this guy did as a rookie. Like it was historic what he did not just in the touchdown department but like super involved he had two scores last year two and we just get to look at that and go well Kenny Pickett did that last year he will do it again with a 1.8 percent touchdown rate if Kenny Pickett just slightly improves he doesn't even have to be league average like get me like above three I don't care three and a half then I think you're looking at the Muth as someone that can outperform where he's going tight end 10 in the fantasy footballers projections he's our tight end seven someone that we kind of like as a breakout I have him inside my top 100. I actually have him ahead of Chigakonkwo, which some people be like, that's hot. You can get Chig another you know, 15 picks later. So I found that I'm totally fine in three tight end builds. If I wait, I can get the Muth after pick 100. I get some sweet correlation with Seattle week 17. And I think he's just in a solid spot to be a touchdown maker on a touchdown site. So the Muth is someone that I'm a bit higher on. Yeah, there's a few things that I think are somewhat easy to just kind of grasp, like this one concept. And generally, you'll be pretty good at fantasy football. You know, there's player takes, there's coaching changes, there's, you know, whatever. But like, if you just bet on regression, you know, year after year, whether it's positive or negative, like last year we were in on uh, Cole Komet because the year before he had no touchdowns. Like that was never going to happen. And we saw what he did last year. He was pretty good. Had a couple of weeks where he was really the dude. He, He caught seven touchdowns last year. You know, same thing we talked about with uh, Deontay Johnson. He's not going to have zero touchdowns again this year. He's way undervalued in the market. Same thing with Pat Fryermuth, and it comes back to the Kenny Pickett touchdown rate. So, yeah, if you're if you're looking for kind of one edge that I think still exists out there, it is identifying these positive or negative regression candidates and adjusting your strategy accordingly because I th- think there's a very good chance that both Deontay and Pat Fryermuth 
can vastly outperform their ADP. So I like this take. I've taken them a bunch, actually. I don't know if this is right, but my kind of stance is like if I'm taking the youth, especially as a tight end one, like I'm probably taking him to outperform ADP by five or six tight end slots. So I've actually had a couple of two tight end builds where I've had the youth. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. No, I was going to follow up with that because I'm in the middle of a best ball mania and my two tight ends are the youth and Chig. I got both of them after ADP, which just made me feel great. And I'm sitting there staring at both of those guys saying, hey, you know what? I feel comfortable based on my takes that they will outperform ADP. I'm not saying Chig's going to be a top five guy or, or the Muth. I think that Muth can get there on touchdowns, you know, five, six. But I think that's a pretty solid unit. I'm just trying to ask myself if I need a third one. And that's the team where I drafted Geno. Uh, so I'm kind of like asking myself the question, like, is this something that I can wait and get uh, Noah Fant later? So I think the Muth is a, is, a, is a smash pick this year. Let's finish this out by talking about a player you just mentioned that, I don't know, like, we'll bury him this year. We were on it last year. <laughs> yeah, that's the fun part is one year you're in, next year you can be like, you know what, I am out. And that is Cole Komet this year. Another guy that I might have a couple shares of, but generally will be very, very underweight my exposure to the Bears tight end. And, you know, when you think about it, like last year, he really didn't get the volume that he needed to be good. He kind of got fortunate had touchdowns swing back his way, and it worked out. He only had 4.1 targets per game. That ranked 21st among tight ends last year. Now the team adds Deniston Oliver Moore, DJ Moore, and quietly Robert Tunyon, which you might laugh and say, Beth's Robert Tunyon, who cares? But if he takes away two you know, touchdowns inside the 10-yard line, like Cole Komet's probably not scoring from 60 yards out, right? So that could actually hurt how he looks from an advance rate, from a weekly spike week kind of standpoint for Cole Komet. So that, in my opinion, does hurt him a little bit. Also, we make fun of this player quite a bit, Chase Claypool. You know, I, I don't think he's that great. I think he's a little overhyped. But last year he was traded midseason. Now he has the full offseason to kind of get acclimated, actually be a part of the offensive game plan, earn targets to some degree. And Darnell Mooney also missed the last like six weeks or so of the regular season last year. So that all coming together, throw in the fact that Justin Fields is one of the best running quarterbacks in the league. We know that hurts your pass catching, you know, outlook. I'm just out on Cole Komet at his ADP. Yeah, it's sad because he was somebody that I was really happy with last year and he was terrible the first, you know, six weeks of the year. Then obviously they changed the game plan with with Justin Fields, the design runs, all those things. And he gets those spikes and touchdowns where you're like, okay, he actually paid off for best ball last year. He looked like he was going to be one of the worst picks when we were you know, tagging him, it was like, oh, he could be a top 10 guy. And this year, you can have the opposite feeling of saying, same quarterback, but the situation's not as good. And you're betting, a, you're just, you're in a low volume offense. Like you said, he averaged what, like four targets a game last year? 4.1. There's no yeah. way, it, there's no way that gets up to five or six. It's going to stay in probably the same range and they're not going to be as quality targets in general. So yeah, it stinks that Cole Camo is, is no longer part of the, part of the crew, but it's, it's Chig season, man, and that's that's the best ball hotness this year. It's always Chig. Let's be honest. <laughs> Chig, it was always you, buddy. What could go wrong? What could go wrong recommending Chig Okonkwo? You know what was yeah, funny? The other day I was, I was scrolling Twitter, and I saw a highlight of Chig at OTAs. And when I say highlight, I mean it's that's a generous term. <laughs> it was him against air running like this like five-yard little slant, and it was such a softly thrown ball. He caught it with one hand. But in my head, I was like, 
oh baby, that was a sweet play, but it really wasn't impressive whatsoever. So I fully embraced, you know, find what fits my narrative season and run with it. Because when I saw it, I was like, dude, Chig's the guy this year. I can't tell if I just need to like unplug for a month and miss like a couple of things of like what people are talking about for certain players. Cause yeah, you're right. It's like, it's pure air, you know, even stuff like I saw some Elijah Moore stuff, which confirmed my bias. I like, I think Elijah Moore is a good buy low. It's like, he's the top target. Uh, they're getting a lot of the, the blurb said something at the headline was like, Oh, he's, they, they want a game plan for him. And then the real news was they gave him a bunch of short targets. I was like, I actually don't like that. Like if you're game planning to make him Rondale Moore, please do not make Elijah Moore that guy. So be careful out there in the people, uh, in the streets, people. It's it's dangerous, but it's summer, and we will be with you all summer long to talk best ball. But bets, sign us out, dude. Fun episode. Very excited to get back into best ball season and talk about it on the show. Like Kyle said, we got a lot coming this summer, so make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcast. Have a great weekend. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at thefantasyfootballers.com.